Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from the Free Grace Broadcaster. I'm going to do the last article in the summer edition, which is all about the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. This is a quarterly, this Free Grace Broadcaster, that's put out by the people at Mount Zion Bible Church. It's in Pensacola, Florida. And uh, we're going to listen today to a fellow you probably know, a guy named Charles Spurgeon, lived from 1834 to 1892. Out of all of these men that we've read, the only Baptist, an influential English Baptist preacher born in England. What a man of God. We have missed talking about him and reading his messages recently. Let's do that now, and I hope that you'll stay with me for a little bit of an extended message today. His is a little longer than the others, but I think uh, reading Spurgeon's never really that long, you know. Revelation 3.14 is his text, the Amen, or the Amen, the faithful and true witness, and he's talking about Christ, the faithful Amen. Amen signifies true, faithful, certain, but its sense will be better seen by carefully noting its uses. It had at least three forms of practical meaning. First, it was used in the sense of asserting. When a person would give peculiar authority to his words, he either commenced or concluded with the word Amen. The second sense of the word amen slightly varies from asserting and may be more properly described as consenting. A memorable instance is that of the people assembled upon Mount Ebal and Gerizim. When the threatenings and the blessings were both read in their hearing, the people said, Amen, Amen, so let it be. A third meaning of the word amen is what we may call petitionary. In this sense, we use it at the close of our prayers. Our Father who art in heaven is not a complete model of public prayer until it concludes with Amen. Our blessed and ever-to-be-adored Lord Jesus is the Amen in reference to God and the Amen as viewed in himself. Number one, refresh your memories upon the great truth. Our Lord is superlatively God's Amen. Jesus is the Amen of the divine purposes. There was a day, before all days, when there was no day but the Ancient of Days, a time before all times, when he who made all time dwelt alone. And then in his august mind he conceived the plan of redemption. He foresaw the world ruined by sin. He determined that a number whom no man could number should be redeemed unto himself to be forever his children, the beloved of his soul. These purposes he made and fixed them fast. These purposes were but purposes until God said Amen to them and made them valid and sure decrees by determining to give his own dear Son that gift of Christ to us in the eternal covenant was the mighty Father's virtual stamping his decree and, and making it valid and good. Long ere you and I had a being, before this great world started out of nothingness, God had made every purpose of his eternal counsel to stand fast and firm 
by the gift of his dear son to us. He was then God's amen to his eternal purpose. When our Lord actually came upon the earth, he was then God's amen to the long line of prophecies. One by one, the servants of God had testified concerning the coming Messiah. Some had spoken evangelically with Isaiah, others with a more legal savor as Moses. But their testimony was to the same effect, that in due time a prophet should be raised up, and that there should be born of a virgin a man who should at the same time be the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, and the everlasting Father. These promises followed thick and fast, all of them cohering, each one manifesting the self-same coming one. But there was no amen to them. And they were things hoped for, but not the substance thereof, until at last, in the silence of midnight, angels sweetly sang his advent, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That baby among the horned oxen, the, that carpenter's son, was God's declaration that prophecy was the voice of heaven. Now, you prophets, sleeping in your tombs, it is witness that ye lied not. Now hath God himself come forth and set to his seal that ye are true. In the blessed form of Mary's child, God's Amen appears both to shepherds and to wise men. In the same sense also, Christ was God's Amen to all the Levitical types. The morning and the evening lamb, the red heifer, the turtle doves, and the two young pigeons whose blood stained the altar, the sacrificial bullock, the scapegoat, the plentiful sprinklings of blood, all these were man's avowal that he believed in God, and at the same time, God declaring to man that he had provided a sacrifice. Yonder smoking bullock, offered by Aaron and his sons, is nothing yet. It is but a figure. It lacks the amen to give it body, force, substance. That uplifted knife, that priest clad in fair white linen, that, that blood spilled upon the altar, all these are nothing. They need a soul put into them. When Jesus Christ came, and especially when up to the cross as to the altar he went as a victim and was laid thereon, then it was that God solemnly put an amen into what otherwise was but typical and, and shadowy. It is exceedingly worthy of your regard that Christ is God's amen to the majesty of his law. That was a very solemn amen which God gave on the top of Sinai when he came with ten thousand of his holy ones and the mountains smoked beneath his feet. As I hear those words, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might, that blast of the trumpet waxing exceeding loud and long, that crack of thunder, and yon mighty flashes of great lightnings were God's Amen. But, dear friends, I can point you to a more solemn Amen than that, more terrible than Sinai, although you can better bear the sight. God has said, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. 
Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. There stands the Son of God. He has not sinned himself. But he has the sins of all his people imputed to him. He has never broken the law. But all our breaches thereof were laid on him. Now, what will God say to him? God meets him as he once met Adam in the garden, but Jesus did not hide himself as Adam did. He met stern justice face to face. There he is, the sinner's substitute. What will the infinitely just Jehovah say now? The law says he is accursed, for he has sin upon him. Will the Father consent that his own beloved shall be made a curse for us? Hearken and hear the Lord's Amen. Awake, O sword, against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord. Zechariah 13.7 What? Does God the Father say Amen? Can it be? It is even so. He says Amen. And what an awful Amen too. When the streaming sweat of blood started from every pore of his most blessed and immaculate body and fell in terrible clots upon the frosty ground. O oh God, thou didst say, Amen. Indeed, to all the terror of thy law, when Christ had to say, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Yet louder still is that Amen at Golgotha, where stands the Savior, mocked, despised, rejected? At the Roman column, torn with scourges, and in the seat of mockery, crowned with thorns, there the law seemed to say, the sinner is to be despised and rejected. The sinner is a shameful thing, worthy to be spit upon. The sinner deserves to be crowned with thorns. And God says, Amen. And his own dear son, who stood in the sinner's place, was made to set forth God's awful assent to the demands of justice. Yonder along the streets of Jerusalem, over stones as hard as the hearts of Jerusalem's sons and daughters, harder they could not be, he goes, leaving a blood track up to Calvary's mound. And there, when hands and feet are pierced, and his soul pierced with something worse than nails, and his heart made to drink of draughts more bitter than wormwood mixed with gall, and his soul the subject of worse temptations than the mere thrusting out of the tongue or the, the jeer and the jibe of the multitude, there where his soul died within him because God forsook him, and he shrieked, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. There it was that God said sternly and dreadfully, Amen. To that sentence, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Uh, we have not, however, exhausted this topic. And Jesus Christ is, as you know, very blessedly God's amen to all his covenant promises. For is it not written that all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen? Second Corinthians one twenty. The Apostle Paul seems to have hit upon the very spirit of Christ's name, Amen, when he says, He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not 
with him also freely give us all things. When God gave his son, he did virtually give all covenant blessings to his people. The gift of Jesus Christ was God's making every promise which had ever gone before the coming of Christ sure and certain. Christ was the wax melted in the fire upon which God set the stamp of his own honor that he would be true to the covenant engagements which he had made. Brethren, if the saying of Amen upon Mount Gerizim to the blessing of the law had something delightfully cheering and comfortable about it, how much more divinely sweet was Jehovah's Amen when Jesus Christ rose from the dead triumphant How much more when up the everlasting hills he rode in glorious triumph, leading captivity captive. The enthroning of Christ is God's solemn declaration and amen, that he will bless all his people and make them kings and priests to reign forever and ever. Once more, Jesus Christ will be God's amen at the conclusion of this dispensation in the fullness of time when God shall put into his dear son's mouth those words, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That will be a a most solemn amen to God's purpose made concerning those saints. Indeed, it will be the amen to the covenant in the whole of its range and to the entire work of grace from first to last. Then, as they come streaming up the sky in glorious pomp to reign with Jesus Christ forever, death and hell and the assembled world shall mark with shame and dismay God's Amen to his own eternal purposes and to the work of his glorified Son. When, turning to the left, the judge shall say, Depart, ye cursed, into everlasting fire in hell, Before the word is spoken, the ungodly will recognize Christ as being the Amen to all that God had threatened. In their cries to the rocks to hide them, in their shrieks to the mountains to fall upon them, they will at once discover to assembled multitudes that they perceive Jesus to be the Amen, making God's threatenings true. And when his voice shall have cursed them forever, It will be the weighty Amen throughout eternity, the emphatic reasserting at once of their guilt and of their punishment that their sentence came from Jesus, that same Jesus who died for sinners and whom sinners crucified and rejected. O sinner, may Christ never be God's Amen to you in that sense. But all on the contrary, may you hide in the wounds of Jesus and find all the blessings in him to be yea, and in him amen to you. Number two, our Redeemer took this as a personal title to himself. He called himself the amen, and so he is. Our second point then is that he is our amen in himself. He proved himself to be amen, the God of truth, sincerity, and faithfulness in his fulfillment of covenant engagements. The Lord Jesus Christ undertook to bring many saints to glory. His Father gave him a people to be his forever, and he undertook in suretyship engagements that every one of those should be delivered perfect and complete 
when they should be required at his hands. He undertook in order to do this that he would suffer, bleed, and die for his church, that all her debts should be discharged from his own veins, that a perfect righteousness should be wrought out for her in which she should stand all beauteous in the sight of God. Brethren, I leave it to your own judgment, you who know the Lord Jesus, whether he has not faithfully kept his engagements. He has been the Amen to the full in this respect. Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Let us praise and bless his name as we see him in covenant engagements, faithful and true, the Amen. He was also the Amen in all his teachings. You find him beginning, Verily, verily, I say unto you. Christ as teacher does not appeal to tradition or even to reasoning, but gives himself as his authority. He quotes indeed the authority of It is Written and speaks of the things which he had seen and heard of his Father, but this he states upon the authority of his own oneness with the Father. He comes clad with divine authority, and he does not deign to dispute or to argue, but he claims for his words that they are Amen. We have accepted his teachings, I hope, in that same spirit. I do not open the Gospels to find Christ's words to cavil over them. I do not turn to the epistles to criticize the teachings of my Lord, nor to raise difficult questions wherewith to wrangle with the great teacher. The position of a Christian is at his master's feet, not disputing, but receiving, not questioning, but believing. And in this sense, Christ claims as a prophet and teacher to be the Amen. He is also the Amen in all his promises. Sinner, I would comfort thee with this reflection. Jesus Christ said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you come to him, you will not find that he has revoked that promise, but he will say, Amen, in your soul. That promise shall be true to you. He said in the days of his flesh, The bruised reed I will not break and the smoking flax I will not quench. O thou poor, broken, bruised heart, if thou comest to him, he will say amen to thee, and that uh, shall be true in thy soul, as in hundreds of cases in, in bygone years. These are his own words, which he spake to his servant John. The spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. He says, Amen, to all those comes. And when thou comest and art anxious to drink, he will say, Amen, to thy coming and to thy drinking. For he declares to thee, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. I must not, however, tarry here. Jesus Christ is yea and amen in all his offices. He was a priest to pardon and cleanse once. He is amen as priest still. He was a king to rule and reign for his people and to defend them with his mighty arm. He is an amen king, the same still. He was a prophet of old to foretell good things to come. His lips are most sweet and drop with honey. Still, he is an amen prophet. He is amen. 
as to the merit of his blood. As the poet said, Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power. He is amen as to his righteousness. That sacred robe shall remain most fair and glorious when nature shall decay. He is amen in every single title which he bears. Your husband never seeking a divorce. Your head, the neck never being dislocated. Your friend sticking closer than a brother. Your shepherd with you in death's dark veil. Your help and your deliverer, your castle and your high tower, the horn of your strength, your confidence, your joy, your all in all, and, and amen in all. I must close all this by reminding you that he is amen with regard to his person. He is still faithful and true, immutably the same, not less than God. No furrows on that eternal brow, no palsy in that mighty arm, no faintness in that almighty heart, no lack of fullness in his all-sufficiency, no diminution in the keenness of his eye, no defalcation in the purpose of his heart, omnipotent, immutable, eternal, omnipresent still, God over all, blessed forever. O Jesus, we adore thee. Thou great Amen. And he is the same too as to his manhood. Bone of our bones still, in all our afflictions still afflicted. Our brother in ties of blood as much today as when he wore a peasant's garb and said, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. The same heart of sympathy, the same bowels of compassion still, remembering us and bidding us remember him, not for a moment changed because of the change of his condition, and not for an instant unmindful of us because of the harps of angels and the songs of the redeemed. As quick to hear a sigh or catch a tear today as when in the days of his flesh he comforted his people and carried the lambs in his bosom. The Amen Savior. Oh, blessed be his name. Let us worship him as the great mediator between God and our souls, feeling joy to think that in all this he suffers no shadow of a change. Our faithful God. That was from a sermon delivered on Lord's Day morning, March 4, 1866, at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in Newington in England. And with that, we close the Free Grace Broadcaster Summer Edition. In a few months, we'll do the Autumn Edition, Lord willing, of course. Thank you so much for listening, and please do look around the site and I'm not going to tell you about that today, all the stuff that's on that site and all the other ways we can fellowship. I'll do that another time, and I've done it many times before, but I've kept you a while. God bless you. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun, and Lord willing, we do get to talk again real soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>